Charles Watson was born again on May 23, 1975, at the California Men's Colony. His transformation can best be described as amazing grace. Here's one of his messages from his early years of ministry. We're going to go into a study on the spirit-filled life, the spirit-filled life. And I've chosen to kind of review you briefly, just very briefly, on the spirit, soul, and body before I get into the spirit-filled life. And I have a diagram on the overhead projector, which I sometimes call my target illustration. I have a whole series on, this, on uh, the, the soul of man, which goes into the spirit, soul, and body. But briefly, I want you to look at this diagram that looks sort of like a target with the bullseye being the spirit there. See, man is made up of three parts. He's spirit, soul, and body. How many knew that? Spirit, soul, and body. Man has a spirit. He's created in the image of God. Amen? And God is a spirit. And you know, that old spirit died when Adam's sin came into the world. But when Jesus Christ came, he defeated sin. He defeated death at the resurrection. That's what he came for, to put a brand new spirit inside of us. In other words, he came to die for us. And he came alive for us. And therefore, life came into our spirit. And that's what 2 Corinthians 5, 17 is all about which says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. You take on a sinless nature in your spirit. In other words, you become a new creation. The old creation passed away. The creation through Adam, the sin, passed away. And you became whole spiritually. First Peter 1.21 concerning the spirit said, being born again not of incorruptible uh, seed, but of incorruptible seed by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. At one time, our spirit was corrupt because of Adam's sin. But see, when Jesus came and resurrected and gave life to mankind through his resurrection, through defeating that death of Satan that he brought into the world, through defeating that and conquering death, and bringing life and immortality to mankind, we were born again of an incorruptible seed by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. So spiritually we have been filled with the spirit. Amen? Our spirit has taken on Zoe, life. In other words, the life and nature of God. Peter tells us it's a divine nature. The divine nature of God we have taken on. So when we talk about the spirit-filled life, we can immediately see that this life of ours, which is God's life now living in our spirit, is the spirit-filled life. Now, also, we see on the board here that we have a soul, and that soul is the next ring in the target around the bullseye, which represents the soul. Uh, the soul is made up of the will, the emotions, and the mind. Now, this soul here has to be renewed. Romans 12, 2 tells us to not be conformed to the things of the world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of the mind so that we may prove what that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God is. See, the will of God is that we walk in the Spirit, that His Spirit that we've been made newly and created into in the core of man be manifested outwardly. See, that Spirit of God that came when the Holy Ghost came down on the day of Pentecost and came into mankind sent down by Jesus Christ that gave mankind the ability to be born again, is the will of God. It's the Word of God. It's God's will. It's God's Word. And, and down in our spirit, we have been created into God's will, God's Spirit. But God wants His Spirit to fill every avenue of our life, every area of our life. See, He don't want to only fill our, our spirit and us to be born again. That's not all there is to a Christian life. Will you agree with me on that? 
after you become a Christian, you have to get into the Word of God and train your mind to think the way God thinks. That's what renewing the mind is all about. Well, see, as you begin to renew the mind or your soul and, and you change your old will that used to be only wanting to go and do the things of Satan, as your emotions begin to change, it comes through the renewing of your mind with the Word of God. See, the Spirit-filled life is not only about being filled with the Spirit in your spirit, but being filled with the Spirit in your mind. Are you with me? See, we have to be renewed with the Spirit Amen. In our mind, our mind, see? And we renew our, uh, our mind with the Word of God. That is spirit. See, the Word is spirit and life. So that's why we're here tonight, to learn the Word. Well, the spirit-filled life we're talking about tonight, not only spiritually, but also soulishly or mentally being renewed in your mind, and then your body will be filled with actions that are of the spirit. Are you with me? Amen? You understand this. In other words, it's from your spirit, from your newly recreated spirit that moves and begins to take over your mind and then all of a sudden your mind begins to take over your body. <laughs> Glory to God. And your actions begin to become spirit-filled actions. Well, now I think that's what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is all about. I think when you're born again, you're filled with the Spirit. But there's a such thing as the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is when you're emerged in the Spirit. When you're emerged in the Spirit. It's kind of like taking a cup of water. When you're born again, that cup is filled with water. It's not running over. It's just filled with water like you're filled with the Spirit. But take that same cup of water and drop it down into a big bucket of water that's full of water. And then that cup is overflowing and all filled with water. Well, that's kind of what happens when we get baptized in the Holy Spirit. Not only spiritually, but we begin to flood over mentally with the Spirit. Greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world, see? And then our body begins to take on spiritual actions, and the Spirit begins to come out of our hands. It begins to come out of our mouth, whether it's praying in tongues or praying in the Spirit. It begins to come out through the Word. It begins to come out through touch. It begins to come out of your life through a smile, through a light of radiance, Amen? In other words, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, your life begins to flow forth with the Spirit. Tonight we're talking about the Spirit-filled life. And the Spirit is to take over your spirit through the born-again experience. Take over your mind through the renewing of your mind and then take over your actions, your body. And those actions of your body are fruits of the Spirit. Amen? So the devil's attacking your mind all the time saying, oh man, you shouldn't love that person. So you're not agreeing with God's Word, so therefore the Spirit's not coming out to work in your body, which would present love, which is a fruit of the Spirit. So therefore, the Spirit here, you can see the arrows going from the Spirit outside of the body, which would be manifesting the fruits. Now what we do, we renew the mind so that our life will have a continual baptism and overflowing of the Holy Spirit. Amen? And present the fruits of the Spirit. In Philippians chapter 1, we're going to stay in the book of Philippians tonight. Verse number 21, Philippians 1, 21. We find a scripture here which says, For to me, Paul said, for to me to live is Christ. To live is Christ and to die is gain. You know, we have to come to the place in our spiritual life where everything that we do spiritually, mentally, and bodily is to live for Jesus. Everything. That's what the Spirit-filled life is all about. To live for Jesus in every aspect of our life. The Apostle Paul, Paul, he knew the secret of a life of triumphant victory. He knew the secret of that. He knew the, of the born-again experience. He knew of taking on the mind of Christ and humbling ourselves as Christ humbled ourselves at the cross. We're now to humble ourselves to the Word and let that Word take over our mind. Paul knew about that. He wrote that Romans 12 too where he said, be not conformed to this world but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Paul knew about the Spirit taking over your body, see? Because he said here, for to live is Christ. For to live is Christ. Every avenue, every area of our body is to be filled with Jesus, to be filled with his word. Our actions are to be a, actions and a picture of Jesus Christ. We fail in those areas at times. But praise God, we're growing, aren't we? 
shouldn't let the devil condemn us because we fail now and then. Even if we sin, we can confess our sins before God, be forgiven, come back to him and and, and say, hey, we transgressed against your word. Now we're going to agree with your word and confess our sin to you and begin to walk that spirit-filled life to live as Christ, Paul said, and to die as gain. In the Amplified Bible, Paul says this in verse 21. For me to live is Christ, his life in me, glory, his life in my spirit, his life in my mind, his life in my body, his life out of my mouth through preaching the word. It goes on to say, and to die is gain, the gain of glory and eternity. Brother, we're going to go be with Jesus one day. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. In other words, this verse here that we just read should be our attitude. We should make Christ the center of everything in our life. Everything we do, we should be thinking about Jesus. What would Jesus do? What does his word say about a certain situation that we're coming up against? In other words, in this letter here to the Philippians here, Paul outlines and tells us over and over what the spirit-filled life is all about. And as we go into this letter here tonight and look at some different characteristics of a spirit-filled life, I want you to write these down tonight. I'm going to put them up on the overhead projector. We're going to see that if you get a good knowledge of the book of Philippians, that I'll tell you what, you'll find out what the spirit-filled life is all about. Number one, it's the life of joy. It's the life of joy. Now, you know, I showed you this diagram of spirit, soul, and body a minute ago. Did you know the spirit that's down inside of you as a born-again believer, as a new creation, is just full of joy? It's just full of joy. It's full of joy. And every once in a while, a little bit of that joy comes out. Boy, I tell you, you begin to smile and get all radiant. Glory to God. You know what that joy is all about, amen? Woo, wow. Well, see, in your spirit is love, is joy, is all the fruits of the spirit. Well, I tell you what, Jesus is living down in your spirit. He wants to come out, amen? But in order for him to come out, he's got to come out through your mind. In other words, you've got to renew your mind so that that will release the spirit, see, into your body and so that you can present joy unto the world, amen? You see that? Now, the life of joy, it's a life of joy, the spirit-filled life. In Philippians chapter 4, verse number 4, Philippians 4, 4, Talking about this life of joy, Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. You know, it was important to Paul that the Christians that he was writing to at Philippi would rejoice, that they would present joy to the world. Praise God. You know, Christmas time's here. We sing that song, Joy to the world, the Lord has come. You know, I tell you what, as we begin to renew our mind with the word of God, that joy that is down in our spirit will be released to the world, glory to God, and we'll present joy to the world. Amen? Jesus is joy. I tell you what, and as you begin to renew your mind with the word of God and release that spirit of joy out of you into your body, you'll be a joyful Christian. Now, here's what Satan would do. He would come to you and say, Oh, man, this is the worst time of year there is. I can't be with my family. Can't be with my wife and my kids, you know. Ain't getting no Christmas package. Hadn't got nobody out there to send me one. Be all kinds of things he tries to come and put on you. But here's what you got to say. You got to say, but Satan, I got Jesus, and he's everything to me, and I don't need your Christmas package. I don't need anything you got. All I need is the word of God, glory to God. And I tell you what, as you make that decision, the joy of Jesus will jump out, and it'll be so abundant in your life, it'll cause all blessings of God to come upon you. Amen? Glory to God, and you'll figure out that you have everything that's necessary. But Satan will try to rob you of your joy. Amen? Try to quench your joy, but we have unquenchable joy because of Jesus Christ. Next here, number two. The Spirit-filled life is a life of peace. And that's found in Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Be careful or be anxious for nothing, but in everything, in everything that takes place in your life, brother, that's everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. In other words, that means to pray and thank God. How many practice that? How many practice that? Pray and thank God. 
you know, a lot of us, I think we come to God and pray and say, oh, Father, I don't know if you're going to give this to me or not, but, uh, you know, moaning and groaning and not a thanksgiving word, one comes out. Well, if you really go to God and you believe that God answers prayers of faith, you're going to have to go to God and ask him for what you want or begin to pray his word for your brother that you might be trying to get saved, that he would come into the understanding knowledge of Jesus and then begin to thank God for waking that brother up in faith. Amen. In other words, pray the prayer of supplication with thanksgiving and let your requests be made known unto God. Let your requests be made known unto God. Not your problems, but your requests. Amen. Let us just go to God with our problems. Problem here, problem there. He said, hey, I sent Jesus to solve your problem. Begin to go to me with your requests. Amen. Hallelujah. And it says, when you do that, what happens? And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Well, praise God. The peace of God. When you go to God with your request, with thanksgiving, it says as you do that, it says then the peace of God will, will, it will, amen, which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I believe that. I believe that, glory to God. Peace comes from Jesus. And as you go to the word of God and as you pray according to the word and as you begin to line your prayer life up with the word and what Jesus Christ has given you as a new creation, boy, we should just be going to God thanking him for the blessings. Amen. Thanking him for blessing us with salvation. Thanking him for blessing us with a good life. Thanking him for blessing us with whatever little blessing you might have. I tell you what, if you'll begin to do that, your blessings will get greater. Because you'll come into the knowledge that you have greater blessings than you can possibly even imagine. Here it says that the peace of God which passeth all understanding will keep your hearts and minds. Amen. Glory to God, see? See, I mean, I tell you, you got to keep your hearts and minds in the peace of God. And by doing that, by keeping your mind upon the resurrection, for instance, of Jesus Christ, you'll begin to see all the things that he gave to you through the resurrection. You'll begin to praise God for that, and you'll just say, oh, man, why didn't I wake up to this a long time before? You remember back before you were saved, amen, how, how bad life was? You didn't know the blessings there was in salvation, living that old down life. Well, after you come to Jesus and give your life to the Lord and get saved, you still got to keep your mind and remember the blessings that are in salvation. Keep your minds on the cross. Keep your mind on your victory because of Jesus. Praise God. And as you do that, as you keep your minds on that, I tell you what, you'll have the peace that passeth all understanding. Glory to God. Peace I give unto you. Peace I leave with you, Jesus said. I tell you what, he sure did too, didn't he? Glory to God. It's a life of peace. Number three, it's a life of suffering and conflict. In first chapter, the first chapter of Philippians, verse number 29, Paul says this. He says, for unto you is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, not only to believe on him. Now, we all believe on Jesus, I believe, in here tonight, amen? We're Christians tonight. But it says also to suffer for his sake, to suffer for his sake. Brother, when you go out and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, you're going to come into trials and tribulations and persecutions. You're going to suffer for his sake. And the life of a spirit-filled Christian is a life of suffering and conflict. You'll run into conflicts. You'll have opportunities to suffer for your faith in Jesus Christ. In the Amplified Bible, to make it a little bit more clearer here in Philippians 1.29, it says this, For you have been granted the privilege for Christ's sake, not only to believe, adhere to, and rely on and trust in Christ, in him, but also to suffer in his behalf. See, we're his body today. And as you begin to manifest the Spirit of God which is in you into your mind to begin to think like Jesus and line your mind thinking up with the thoughts of Jesus some of these psychiatrists are going to try to persecute you a little bit you know what I mean but as you begin to 
Renew your mind with the Word of God and line your mind up with the Word of God. That Word is going to begin to come out in your actions. And when somebody comes up to you and says this or says that about Jesus or about you, you're just going to smile at them and say, Jesus loves you. And they're going to get all uptight and stomp around and be all mad and not know what to think. Amen? So you're going to have conflict and suffering in this spirit-filled life. If you think it's just going to be a bed of roses, it ain't going to be. Because, see, you're coming against the gates of hell that's trying to stop the gospel of Jesus Christ from going forth. You have to go forth with it in wisdom and always keep in mind that your main purpose is to reach everyone with the gospel. But I tell you what, you're not going to reach everyone. See, some of them are going to give you conflict and they're going to give you persecution. Amen? Praise God. Number four here, it's a life of humility. The Spirit-filled life is a life of humility. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, Paul says, Let nothing be done through, through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem others better than themselves. In other words, think of others better than yourselves. Let not every man, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you which also was in Christ Jesus, or which also in Christ Jesus, which was also in Christ Jesus. In other words, where to take on the mind of Christ. How do we do that? Where do we get God's thoughts today? We get them out of the Word of God. And as we begin to humble ourselves to the Word of God, does that make sense to you? If you're going to humble yourself to God today, you're going to humble yourself to what He thinks. Are you with me? going to humble ourselves to what he thinks. So if we're going to take on the mind of Christ, we need to renew our mind with the Word. And as we do that, the Spirit of God inside of us will flood our mind and our actions will become humble actions. Humble actions. Spirit-filled life is a life of humility. You know, this joy and this peace and this suffering and this conflict that's going to come upon you, this life of humility is all the life of a person that is baptized in the Holy Spirit. In other words, the Holy Spirit is take, completely taken over, spirit, soul, and body, taken over your entire being and, and all the actions of yours. Let this mind be in you which also is in Christ Jesus. And I want to go ahead and read verse 6, 7, and 8 in the Amplified Bible. And it tells us what kind of mind this was here, beginning in verse number 6. And it says this, in the Amplified, it says, talking about Jesus' mind, it says, who, follow along with me there in the King James, who, although being essentially one with God and in the form of God. You knew that Jesus was in the form of God in the, in the creation back when God created the world. Jesus, God said, let us make men, Elohim, three persons, God, in our own image, God. Jesus Christ came to earth. It says here he was in the form of God. He was possessing, possessing the fullness of the attributes which make God, God. He did not think this equality with God was a thing to be eagerly grasped or retained. In other words, here's what kind of humility Jesus had. He had a humility that did not say, well, I'm not going to go down there and become man for anybody. Amen. He humbled a God and he says, praise God. He says, I'm going to go down. I'm going to throw off this God form of, 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 uh, of nature here, uh, the attributes, possessing the godly attributes, and I'm going to go down and become man, see? See, he remained God on earth, you know, as through the person of Jesus Christ, the Word was made flesh, God was made flesh, but he was also all man, see? And he took on the form of man. The part of man was man. It wasn't God, it was man. The part that Jesus was man was man, amen? Glory to God. But the part that he was God was God. Hallelujah. And what he did, he didn't say, I'm going to remain God. I'll go down and become man and become sin for mankind. It goes on down and it says, but he stripped himself of all privileges and rightful dignity so as to assume and guise of a servant 
a slave in that he became like man and was born to human beings. Glory to God. That's how Jesus was, see? In other words, he relieved himself of being God, see? And came down to earth in the person of Jesus Christ, all man, and humbled himself to be a man. Glory to God. And it says in verse 8, And after he had appeared in human form, he abased and humbled himself still further and carried his obedience to the extreme of death, even the death of the cross. That's Jesus. That's the kind of humility. In other words, he surrendered and humbled himself totally to what God's word wanted. God had prophesied through Isaiah the prophet that his son was going to come and, and die for the sins of all mankind who had went astray like sheep, that he was going to be bruised. God had already spoken his word. What Jesus Christ did was come and humble himself to the word of God. And if this mind that was in Christ is going to be in us, we've got to humble ourselves to what the word of God says. And when we do that, the Holy Spirit will come flooding into our mind and out of our body and out of our actions and will present a spirit-filled life to this world. Are you with me? Glory to God. The spirit-filled life of humility. Number five is a life of assurance. In Philippians 1, 6, let me read it to you. It says, being confident. In other words, we're confident. We're totally persuaded of this very thing that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is doing the work in you. In Philippians 2, verse 13, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. See, God is working in you. He worked and you were born again of the Spirit. Now he's working in your mind and you're doing your mind, brother, and now he's taking over your body and, and your reasonable service is that of a human sacrifice unto God just as Jesus came and sacrificed himself to mankind. Now we sacrifice ourselves to mankind. And brother, he's going to complete this work. Amen? Glory to God. Number six, it's a life of obedience and human responsibility. In Philippians 2.12, it says, Wherefore, my beloved... As you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Brother, they were obeying the word of God. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Brother, you have a responsibility to work your salvation out. Amen? Glory to God. To work your salvation out. I don't really know for a fact that this scripture is supposed to be translated like this, but I believe in all reality that the spirit that is inside of us that is born again needs to be worked out to uh, the, the, the physical realm. I'm not saying that this scripture uh, is, is totally translated in that fashion there. It means that. But what I'm saying is the spirit that is inside of us needs to come out of our body and begin to manifest itself in this world. Amen. And we get it out there by renewing our mind to what the Word says so that our mind won't grieve and quench that spirit that is inside of us. You know, if you begin, if you never, uh, uh, see, when you uh, got born again, you begin to think that salvation was for you. You begin to think that mankind could become a new creation. You begin to think that you needed Jesus. You changed your mind. You allowed the spirit to come in through your mind, didn't you? You believed in your heart that Jesus rose from the dead and you got saved see it came into your spirit well the same thing has to happen you got to continue to to repent of your old way of thinking so that you won't grieve the holy spirit that is inside of you if you think rotten all the time as a born again christian it's going to hold that holy spirit inside of you and keep it from coming out but you begin to line your thinking up and renew your mind according to the word of god and that spirit's just going to work out of you and come out take over your actions and you're going to present jesus to the world amen out your mouth out your actions out your hands going to be laying hands on the sick going to be speaking with other tongues you're going to be doing all the gifts of god amen as the body of christ i believe that you begin to say what God says about the gifts and callings of God, and that spirit will begin to move out. This is what the Amplified Bible says in 2, uh, verse number uh, 12. Let me read this to you. You'll like this, what it says about working out your salvation with fear and trembling. He says here, work out, cultivate, carry out the goal, and fully complete 
your own salvation with reverence and awe and trembling, self-distrust, that is, with serious caution, tenderness of conscience, watchfulness against temptation that attacked your mind, huh? Fear, shrinking from whatever might offend God and discredit the name of Jesus. In other words, work out your own salvation. Glory to God. Be healed spiritually, healed mentally, healed physically in your body. Be a complete person for Jesus Christ. The Spirit-filled life, number seven, is a life of heroic and ceaseless service. In Philippians 2.30, if you would read with me, please, it says, Because for the work of Christ he was nigh unto death, not regarding his life to supply your lack of service towards me. Glory to God. Talking about Ephroditus, a man that was nigh unto death. He didn't regard his life just to supply the lack of these Philippians here. That's what the spiritual life is all about, a life of obedience, heroic and ceaseless service. In 120, Paul talks about himself saying this, according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. Totally sacrificed to the Lord Jesus Christ. Did you see where he said that the life of Christ might be made manifest in his body? See, Paul was born again just like you are. It was manifested in his body. And now, as Paul said, you have to take on the mind of Christ and humble yourself to the Word and renew your mind to the Word. That life gets into your body. Glory to God. And you go and you don't care whether you live or die. Glory to God. You're going to live for Jesus. Amen. To die is gain. You're going to go to be with Jesus. Number eight, it's a life with a passion for souls. A passion for souls. Number eight. The Spirit-filled life. In Philippians 1.12, Paul in jail. In jail. Boy, he was doing a lot of witnessing in jail. Amen. And he says, But I would ye should, I would, but I would ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. You know, G, uh, Paul, by being put in jail here, still went into jail and brought the gospel forth. It was, still went further even though he was in jail. Amen? See, if you remember, that's where he was in stocks there in jail and Acts at Philippi, praising God, the earthquake came. Amen? The jailer went down and said, hey, and started to kill himself and said, and Paul said, don't do that. And he says, what must I do to be saved? Amen? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and not only you shall be saved, but your whole house will be saved. Amen? That was the furtherance of the gospel. There was 10,000 uh, guards in this prison here. It was located in the palace. In verse 13 it says, So that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other palaces. Amen? It was in the palace of, of Nero there in Rome. And the guards of Paul, they begin to believe the gospel. He was witnessing to his guards. Amen? Glory to God. In other words, it was a life of passions for souls, no matter who they were. Verse 18 says, What then? Notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. Glory to God. Whether in pretense or truth, Christ is preached. The word, the resurrection is preached. The born again experience spiritually is preached. The renewing of the mind by the word of God is preached so that the actions of Jesus may be presented in our mortal flesh according to 2 Corinthians 4. Looking on here in Philippians though, in verse number 27, it says, only let your conversation, that word conversation is manner of life. Let your manner of life be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. 
that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, and in nothing terrified by your adversaries. Glory to God. It's a life of heroic and ceaseless service, striving together in one mind. That one mind is keeping your mind upon the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the victory that he has given you through that resurrection. Amen? Receiving the resurrection and being born again. Constantly meditating upon the resurrection and meditate, your, med meditate upon the resurrection and renew your mind. Living the life of Jesus in your body. Glory to God. Not being terrified by your adversaries, by the ones that persecute you. Number nine, the spirit-filled life is centered in the cross. In Philippians 3, 3, it says, For we are the circumcision which worship God in spirit and rejoice in Christ and have no confidence in the flesh. No confidence in the flesh. No confidence in what you can do, but what Jesus has done for you spiritually. Confidence for what Jesus can do to you. No confidence in the flesh. Well, I tell you, we should know we shouldn't have any confidence in the flesh after coming in here. We put our confidence and our faith and our trust in Jesus and that Holy Spirit that lives inside of us and that now wants to come out and manifest itself in the world. For we are the circumcision. That's talking about the, the spiritual circumcision there, the ones that have been born again. Which worship Christ, which worship God in spirit and rejoice in Christ. They were rejoicing in Christ. They were rejoicing over their victory in the resurrection. You see that? Rejoicing because they had been lifted up into the heavenly places. Rejoicing because they had been crucified with Christ, but now they live in Christ. They were rejoicing in that. Woo! You recognize how dead you were at one time? Recognize how you were on your road to hell? Straight to hell with the brakes off? Now you should be rejoicing that Jesus lifted you out of that, rejoicing in that resurrected life in Christ. Glory. Begin to meditate upon it. Praise God. Number 10, it's a life of prayer. Philippians 4, 6, we'd already went into this tonight, but it's a life of prayer. So I won't spend a lot of time on it. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. In other words, don't be anxious for anything. Don't be concerned and, and have all your cares and problems burden you down in this life. But it says, hey, go to God with them. But in everything, by prayer and with supplication, with thanksgiving, go to God with them. Go to God with them. He gave you victory in Christ. With thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Hey, let your request be made known unto God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. He cares for you. Number 11, we see the spirit-filled life is a life of power. Life of power. You know, we're not to be weak, namby-pamby little Christians that's afraid and paranoid and looking over our shoulder because God has not given us the spirit of fear. Amen? Give us the spirit of power and of love and of sound mind. We're not in 2 Timothy tonight. That is 2 Timothy 1.7, by the way, that I just gave you. He's given us the spirit of power. This power, this dunamis power that's down inside of us wants to come out. It wants to come out in your words. It wants to come out in your thinking. It wants to come out in every area of your life. Amen? It's power. It's the power of God that lives inside of you. It wants to come out of your hands and lay hands upon the sick. It wants to come out of your mouth. Amen? It wants to come out of areas of your body. It wants to come out of every area of your life. The power of God. It's a life of power. And in Philippians 4, 13, it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Through his death, burial, and resurrection that now gives me strength in my spirit, I can do all things. Amen? Do all things in Christ because he has given me the ability, the ability, the dunamis power that he says that we shall receive after that the Holy Ghost has come upon us and we shall be his witnesses into the uttermost parts of the world. It's the dunamis ability, the power of God that lives down inside of you. 
And now that power just, just desires to come out and take over the world. The devil don't want it to come out. That's why he puts all kind of garbage on your mind. Tries to quench the spirit in your mind. Amen. Getting you to hate this person or, or get mad at that person or strive with that person. All these imaginations and demons coming at you. We're supposed to cast them down and say no to them. Amen. And bring every thought to the obedience of Jesus Christ. The obedience of his word. Amen. That's 2 Corinthians 10, 5 there, by the way. See? Cast down those imaginations. Let this power come out and manifest itself in your life. Philippians 3, 10. This is the whole secret here. That I might know him, Paul says, and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. See, he fellowshiped in the sufferings of Jesus Christ. Amen? Glory to God. The sufferings that Jesus went through and the sufferings he was going through at that time because of his witness for Jesus. Being made conformable unto his death. I tell you, when Jesus went down and died. It was suffering, amen, for you and for me. And we fellowshiped in that with Christ. We were made conformed unto his death. But now we're to be made conformed unto his resurrection, amen? How do we become conformed to his resurrection? What did Paul say? Be not conformed to this world, but be renewed by the, be, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, we're to begin to renew our mind to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It says that I might know. Where do you know things in your mind? Amen? You know things in your mind. What did Paul say there in 310? That I might know. That I might know. That I might know. That I might know. Say that. That I might know. That I might come into the knowledge of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. See, the greater you come into the knowledge of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and what it means to your life and the victory and the power that you have over the devil because of that, the greater and mightier power that you'll begin to move out into. Spirit-filled life is a life of power and letting that power move out in your life. Overcoming by faith because of the resurrection, amen? When you say, oh yeah, man, I'm moving out in great faith. What have you got great faith in? got faith in the Word of God. The Word of God is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what gave you the ability. Amen? So you move out in faith. You move out in faith in the Word, faith in the victory that you have. If you never had faith in the resurrection, you never would have got saved. Amen? If you don't continue to constantly put faith in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you will quench the power that God wants to come out of your life. You constantly put faith in the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the power of God will move forth from your spirit and activate itself in your body and give you the ability and knowledge and the experience to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and make it clear to others that the resurrection is what it's all about. Amen? That's what it's all about. Resurrection gets people saved. Amen? Resurrection made it possible for all mankind to be saved and the only thing that keeps them from being saved is not knowing about it. That's why we've got to go out and tell them. Amen? The greater knowledge you come into that and the more clear it becomes to your mind, the greater you can share it with others so they'll wake up to their salvation that's available in Jesus Christ. Amen? The knowledge of the resurrection, renewing your mind to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Number 12, it's a life that witnesses to unbelievers. That's what it's all about. Philippians 2.15 That you may be blameless and harmless the sons of God without rebuke. See, those are fruits of your life there. See, the spirit that's inside of you wants to come into your mind, take over your mind, and make, you, make your actions blameless, harmless, sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom you shine as lights in this world. The light of God is living inside of you. Hallelujah, the life of God, the light of God, the love of God, the joy of God, the goodness of God lives inside of you. And now the whole purpose in life is for that spirit of God that lives inside of you to take over your mind by the renewing of your mind and to shine outwardly into this world and become a light of the world as a temple of God, just like in the Old Testament. Amen? You're the temple of the living God in this world today. You're to be a witness to unbelievers. Number 13, it's a life of sacrificial giving. In first and Philippians 1, verse 5, for your fellowship in the gospel 
from the first day until now, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. But brother, what I want you to see here that they had a fellowship in the gospel. Over in verse chapter 4, verse 18, it tells you a little bit more about this. But starting back with about verse number 15, it says, Now you Philippians, talking about the Philippian church, you know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. See, the Philippians was a spirit-filled church. Amen. That's why we're going into Philippians now. It was a spirit-filled church. It had the spirit oozing out of it, and it came out in the form of giving. Verse 16, it says, For even in Thessalonica you sent once and again unto my necessities, not being I desired a gift, but I desire that fruit may abound to your account. But I have all and I uh, and abound. I am full, having received of Ephroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor, a sweet-smelling, a sacrifice, acceptable, well-pleasing unto God. Ephroditus, who was sick and about uh, to die and laying down his life for for the Philippian church here that talked about in Philippians 2, brought a gift to Paul from the Philippian church. And, and they sacrificially not only gave their life, but possessions for Paul to, to move out stronger with the gospel. Amen? See, it's sacrificial giving. Number 14, as we see on the overhead there, it's a life with material needs met. A life with material needs met. You know, your material needs are met to the degree that you lay down your life totally to Jesus Christ. You know, every promise in the, in the Bible has a condition. In the New Testament, the condition is to have faith in Jesus. That's the condition. The condition is to trust and to rely totally upon Jesus Christ and his resurrection, and that victory, and that provision. In the Old Testament, it said, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Amen? Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not upon your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. See, there's some delightment there, there's some trust there, there's some rest there it talks about, there's some commitment it's talking about in Proverbs 3, and also uh, Psalms 37. Talking about things we have to do. In the, in the New Testament, here's what we've got to do. We've got to put our faith in Jesus Christ. Amen? And that's exactly what this scripture says. It says, Philippians 4.19, But my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. By who? By Christ Jesus. How did the provisions come? But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. He provided them at the resurrection. And now according to your faith in the resurrection is to the degree that you'll walk in those blessings of that resurrection. Amen? If you walk around all day long saying, oh, God never gave me anything, never will give me anything. Here I am. I don't have no Christmas package. going to be a sick prison Christmas here. And I don't know, just don't know what I want to do. Got holes in my shoes and blah, blah, blah. See, you got your mind on all the things you don't have. We need to put our mind on the things we do have. Amen? And where God gave those things that he says he supplies, he gave it through Christ Jesus in the resurrection. If we'll begin to put faith in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, renew our mind with the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you know what will happen? The Spirit of God will begin to bubble forth through you. It'll take over your actions, take over your body. You'll become a giver, and as you give, glory to God, it'll come back to you. Jesus said in Luke 6, 38, that if we give, it shall be given to us. Pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall the Father give unto your bosom. Brother, the prerequisite to receiving is giving. Amen? Jesus gave his son, glory to God. Now he's getting back all the saved of mankind. Amen? Plus his son that resurrected. Amen? 
Now we're to go out and give, glory to God. And as we do, as we give, we shall receive. You don't give with just the motive to receive, but that's just what happens. It comes. It's a law of God. You sow and you reap. Amen? Sow the word of God. You reap. You reap back from God. But the Philippians church, it says here that they gave first, and it says, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. Glory to God. That's why they were being able to give is because they had a relationship with Jesus. The life of contentment, number 15. Hallelujah. Are you content tonight? Oh, boy, it's a life of contentment. Content. Hallelujah. I found it. Jesus is for me. Who can be against me? Glory to God. Amen. Hallelujah. Going to go be with Jesus forever. Hallelujah. But in Philippians 4.11, it says, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am in, or I am therewith to be content. Whatsoever state. Don't care if you're in Texas. Don't care if you're in California. No, that's not what that means. <laughs> it means whatever state you're in, you know. I tell you what, it don't make no difference if you're in prison. It don't make no difference if you're up in the bucket. It don't make no difference if you're if you're down in the hall. It don't make no difference if you're in stocks. It don't make no difference where you are. You're going to be content because you have Jesus. Amen? Glory to God. That's the whole thing. you got faith in Jesus. Amen? And I'll tell you what, when you came to prison and you didn't have no faith in Jesus, hadn't given your life to the Lord, you got in that county jail and they locked you up and you said, oh God, you knew where it was, didn't you? See, but you started putting your faith in God and you got your contentment. You continue to put your faith in God and that resurrection, put your faith in his word, begin to have faith and, re and come into faith by hearing the word of God and you'll come into a greater contentment. See, you didn't have no contentment when you landed in that cell. That's why you cried out to God. Amen? Glory to God. Spirit-filled life gives contentment. It just gets more content and more content. Spirit-filled life is a life of high thinking. High thinking. That don't mean thinking high of yourself. Think high of what Jesus did. Amen? Put your thoughts in high places. Begin to think of those heavenly things. In Philippians chapter 4, verse number 8, it says here, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, Whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, and whatsoever things are of good report. Do you know every one of those will line up to the Word? Every one of them will line up to Jesus. Looking at that again, Jesus is true. Jesus is honest. Jesus is just and righteous. Jesus is pure. Jesus is lovely. Jesus is of good report. And it says that there be any virtue. In other words, goodness and excellence. That's Jesus. Think on Jesus. Think on his word all the time. Now the devil will come in and try to get you to think on him. Think on what you hadn't got. Begin to think on the problem. Amen. See? Try to get your mind on your defeat instead of your victory. You keep your mind on the resurrection. You got your mind on the triumphant victory that's in Christ Jesus. If the devil can come in and get you to put your mind on all those old false things, on all those old unjust things, all those old unpure things, and all those old unlovely things, brother, he's got you, amen? Keep your mind on the resurrection. It's true, it's honest, it's just, it's pure virtue, it says here. There be any praise. Think, think. What does it say there in verse 8? The end there? Think, think, think on these things. Think. How many is going to do that? Think on those things. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. In other words, they learned them. They received them from Paul. They heard them from Paul. Amen. They got faith by hearing. And then they seen them in Paul. They not only, they not, it was not only in Paul's spirit, it, the, the, the word had taken over his mind and he's thinking the word. And therefore, because of his thoughts being on the things of Jesus, they seen it in him and it come out of his actions. Glory to God, spirit, soul, and body. Amen. And then what does it say happens? And the God of peace shall be with you. Glory. Wow. Hallelujah. Amen, huh? Woo. The God of peace shall be with you. Yes, he is. Amen. Next, it's a life of growing. Number 17. The spirit-filled life is a life of growing. In Philippians 1.9, it says this. It says, And I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in judgment. In knowledge and in judgment. In other words, Paul was praying 
that your love would abound. See, the love is down in your spirit and abounds into your mind, and you begin to think love. Hey, what? The resurrection is love. It's the love of God. You begin to think love. Amen? Hallelujah. You come into the knowledge of love more and more in knowledge and in judgment and in discernment. That's what that means. In other words, let that love may abound in you and more and more in knowledge. Come into the knowledge of the love of God, which is in Jesus Christ in his resurrection. Grow in that. Amen? Go in your victory in Jesus. See, it's the old fear. It's the old uh, inferiority. It's the old guilt. It's the old garbage that keeps you down from doing anything for God. Amen? Yeah, that comes from the devil. You begin to concentrate and put your knowledge on the love of God and the resurrection, you'll begin to bounce around saying, I'm free, glory to God. I've got liberty in Jesus. Amen? You get free from all those old things of the devil. Glory to God. It's a growing life. Look at number 18 would be this. It's a life of certain future glory. We're going to be with Jesus. And that's where we started in that in Philippians 1.21. Paul said, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Brother, we're going to go to be with Jesus. 3.20 of Philippians, for our conversation, our citizenship is in heaven. From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile bodies that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Brother, we're going to be with Jesus forever in the glory. Hallelujah. You can get as excited as you want about that. Glory to God. It's going to be soon. Spirit-filled life number 19 is a life of full surrender. It's a fully surrendered life. In Philippians 3, Eight, Paul said, Yea, doubtless, I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. Glory to God. Count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Coming into the knowledge of Jesus Christ, not only the knowledge of the born-again experience, but the knowledge of your victory constantly in your mind and renewing your mind to the victory in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen? Oh, the excellency. That knowledge becomes more excellent in our mind of what Jesus died. Glory to God. The excellency of that knowledge. And then number 20, it's a life saved by grace. I think you know that. But in verse 9, and be found in him, that's Christ, be found in Christ, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Glory to God. It's a life that is saved by grace. Righteousness, right standing with God. You know, we were once in our sin. We were dead in our sin, amen, headed for hell. Then the grace of God appeared. We didn't deserve it. The grace is right with God, amen. We couldn't get to God. But because of his grace and because of his love, he made us right with him. This spirit-filled life is a life that is due to the grace of God. It's a life of supernatural power. It's the life of Christ living inside of you. And now what we have to do is surrender our mind, our will completely to Jesus Christ. You know, and as we do that, glory to God, this life that is inside of us, this life of Jesus will come out of us and manifest itself in our mortal flesh. Amen? Glory to God. Hallelujah. If there's anybody in here that's not saved tonight and that wants to receive Jesus, praise God, I want you to come down because... You know, a lot of us, too, I think more than getting saved tonight, I think most of you are saved. I think a lot of us need to just make a commitment to the Lord to renew our mind with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen? Do you see the importance of that? The Spirit-filled life is not only being filled spiritually, but mentally with the knowledge of God. Being filled with your actions with the knowledge of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's a good life, you know what I mean? 
but it's got to be a life of constantly getting full of the Spirit in your mind. Amen? Bring it, take over your thoughts. Any of you have problems with your thoughts? Huh? Now, come on. You have problems with your thoughts. But immediately when the devil comes in, we've got a choice. We can think about what he's trying to get us to think about it. We can think about Jesus. Amen? Huh? Amen. You know, the first thing we got to think about when, when the devil comes, we got to think of Jesus and what he did to the devil. Amen? See, that's why, you know, it says, in the name of Jesus, you shall do this. In the name of Jesus, you shall have answered prayer. In the name of Jesus. What is the name of Jesus? The name of Jesus, the name Jesus means Jeshua or salvation. Amen? The name of Jesus takes you right to the resurrection. Amen? Takes you right to the word of God. And when the enemy comes with a thought, comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord has to raise up a standard against him. And the way he does that is you thinking about what conquered that thought that is coming in from those demons. Amen? And brother, if you know that Jesus has conquered that thought, that thought cannot get inside of you. Amen? But to the degree that you know <laughs> where that thought is coming from and to the degree that you know the power that you have as a resurrected spirit-filled Christian is the degree that you'll walk a victorious spirit-filled baptized Holy Spirit life. Amen? And be a benefit to this world.